The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter. As Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. I think it's pretty likely that at some time or another, especially around Thanksgiving, you've been asked to make a list of things that you're thankful for. Maybe it's just before you cut into the turkey, or maybe it's in response to a Facebook post that you've been tagged in. Or maybe something has happened to make you realize that you've been taking things a bit for granted. And so you want to exercise your gratitude. Think about the kinds of things that you might list. It's probably the kind of stuff that Luther mentions in his explanation to the first article of the Creed. Clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, family, life, health. Or maybe you're thankful for less material things like freedom and opportunity. Or maybe you're thankful for your church, for the forgiveness of sins, for life and salvation. Those are all great things to be thankful for, and it's good, not just at Thanksgiving, to exercise gratitude, especially in prayer, thanking God for all of the good things he's given you. But there's another thing, another gift of God, that we often neglect in our gratitude. And that is God's law, his commandments, the stuff he gives you to do. It may be that we aren't so thankful for God's law because it's easy to think of it as an encroachment on our liberty. We think of it in terms of what's off limits, what we can't do. That means our relationship with God's law mainly comes into view when we've broken it. It often simply appears to be some standard we will not live up to or some obligation we will not meet. Or maybe we're not grateful for God's law because we think of it as a mere formality. This is how the rich young man in our gospel lesson today is thinking about God's law. He's thought of it as a sort of checklist. Like a pre-flight checklist, he must have every box ticked before he can be cleared for takeoff. But if you insist on turning God's law into a set of prerequisites for inheriting the kingdom of God, then that's precisely what they become. If you plan to show Jesus your completed checklist in order to get into heaven, you can expect him to show you all of the boxes you've missed. But God's law is not just some fence to keep you corralled. It's not about what's off-limits. 
It's about what's good, what's really good, as in what's genuinely and divinely good. And it isn't just a formality. It's not just about making you go through the motions, and it's not an exam. There is no question about whether or not you'll succeed in checking all the boxes. That ship has sailed. It's not going to happen. This leaves us with the crucial question, then, of how we should think about the stuff that God gives us to do. And perhaps you've already figured the answer. We should think of it as a gift, as a gift among all of the other gifts that God has given us. Like all of the material blessings we enjoy, like freedom and opportunity, like the forgiveness of sins and the sacraments, God's law is a gift and something for which we should be continually grateful. Listen to how David talks in Psalm 119. He says this, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That is a beautiful way to thank God for all of the stuff that he gives us to do. That is not, however, how the rich young man thought of things. He began by thinking of God's law as a formality, and Jesus, loving him, seeing his heart, stepped things up a bit. He gave him something specific to do. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor. Now, it's always tempting at this point not to take Jesus at his word, to think that maybe he's exaggerating. The problem is that we probably do that because we're a bit afraid that he might mean it also for us. Is he telling me to sell all that I have and give to the poor? Maybe he doesn't really mean it. But the rich young man wouldn't have walked away sorrowful if the instructions hadn't been so clear. Notice that he didn't try to work his way around Jesus' words. They were as clear as day. It was clear as day what he should do. Just as it was clear when God gave Abraham some instructions. Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, we don't know whether Abraham was sorrowful or not. It's hard to think that he wasn't. But we do know this. Abraham did what God gave him to do. He took his only son Isaac, the son that God had promised him, the son in whom seemed to be every hope for the future, and he led him up on a mountain and bound him and laid him on the altar and raised his knife to sacrifice him. He did that because, although it seemed that Isaac was his hope, his hope for a future, for the inheritance of the promised land, for a family that would number more than the stars in the sky, for a people in whom all the world would be blessed, even though all of that hope seemed to be bound up in Isaac and now about to be burned up on the altar, Abraham knew that it wasn't. He knew that even Isaac was a gift from God, and so he hoped in God. He trusted God. 
He feared and loved God above all things, even above his son, his only son Isaac. And God said of Abraham, Now I know that you fear me. And he gave him back his son better than before. Not as a son whom he had conceived or to whom Sarah had given birth, but as a son who had been given to him by God and raised from the dead by his heavenly Father. Abraham received everything from God as a gift. Not just his clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home. Not just his son Isaac or his wife Sarah or his promised family. He also received God's command as a gift. God gave him something to do. And he thought of it not as an encroachment on his liberty, not as some standard he wouldn't live up to or some obligation he wouldn't meet, Not as a formality, not as a box to check in order to gain eternal life. God had already called him to life. God had already given him all good things. And so, he understood that when God gave him something to do, that was a gift too. The rich young man went away sorrowful, which is important. But more important is the fact that he went away. Perhaps he came back later. Perhaps he's the young man at the end of Mark's gospel who leaves even his clothes behind as he follows Jesus. Perhaps. But in this moment, he walks away sorrowful because he doesn't want the gift that Jesus is giving him. He doesn't want to do what Jesus has given him to do. In this lesson, Jesus doesn't say to you, sell all that you have and give to the poor. He might someday say that to you. But in the meantime, he has given you other things to do. If you're a parent, love your children and teach them the faith. If you're a child, love and obey your parents. If you're a husband, love your wife as Christ loves the church. If you're a wife, love and trust your husband as the church loves and trusts Jesus. If you're a worker, work honestly If you're an employer, pay your workers. If you have stuff, use it to love and serve your neighbor. If you're in authority, be just and compassionate. If you're under authority, be obedient and faithful. If you have God's name, use it to pray and to bless. If you have God's word, hear it and take it to heart. This is the stuff of the Ten Commandments. This is God's law. And it is a gift from God for you. For you Christians, it's not a fence just to keep you corralled, and it's not a checklist to get you to heaven. It is another one of the countless ways that God blesses you and keeps you in his care, making you holy, shaping you in his image, and filling you with his love. Like everything else that you have, the stuff that God gives you to do is a gift. And for that we owe him all thanks and praise, honor and glory, forever and ever. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.